Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. In today's episode of the Albany Update, we'll examine the push for single-payer health care in New York. Socializing medicine in our state would be a costly measure. Next, the Republican edge in the U.S. House of Representatives is tight. And now a recent court decision could mean another round of congressional redistricting in New York. And this could play a major role in handing more congressional seats to the Democratic Party in 2024. Then, many are wondering how to handle simple conversations about transgenderism. We've got some helpful counsel for those looking to wisely handle the matter. So let's get started. This summer, left-wing Albany politicians have reintroduced an amended version of the New York Health Act. The New York Health Act, which New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms has vocally opposed for years, would kick New Yorkers off of their existing health insurance plans and force them to enroll in a state-run system of socialized medicine. Under the New York Health Act, the state of New York would become your health insurance provider. For the most part, the cost of health insurance would be paid through taxes. There would be no insurance premiums, no co-pays, no deductibles, and no coinsurance. The New York Health Act was not reintroduced during the 2023 legislative session. According to Spectrum News 1, the bill has been the subject of months of negotiations, and it's been amended to address cost concerns expressed by labor unions. As of July 17, 2023, the bill has only been introduced in the state Senate. The New York Health Act has 34 sponsors. Only 32 yay votes would be needed to pass it. To date, Governor Kathy Hochul remains opposed to the bill. If the governor maintains her opposition, the bill cannot become law unless each House of the Legislature votes to override the governor's veto by a two-thirds supermajority. The bill's sponsor, Senator Gustavo Rivera, a Democrat from the Bronx, recently said, I'm going to ask everybody to take one step back and ask themselves, does the current health insurance system work for you? Does it? Has it? Has it worked for your family? Has it worked for your community? Has it worked for you individually? And the answer will be no. While it is foolish for Senator Rivera to assert that New Yorkers all agree with his perspective on health insurance. Believe it or not, some New Yorkers are satisfied with our private health insurance, and we don't want to be forced off of it. Even if every New Yorker agreed that the current health insurance system was broken, that does not necessarily mean that a state government takeover would be an improvement. The state's attempt to implement a recreational marijuana law has proven to be an embarrassing failure. Do we really believe that a state that can't manage to license marijuana merchants is capable of taking over and running a health insurance system for almost 20 million people? For years now, Senator Gustavo Rivera and his colleagues have neglected to answer one key question about the New York Health Act. If passed, how much would the bill cost? The 28-page bill is completely silent about the legislation's overall cost to the state, and it is almost completely silent about the amount it would cost to New York families in taxes. Here's what the bill does tell us. The New York Health Act would be paid for with two new income taxes, one tax on payroll and self-employment income, and a second tax on other income. New Yorkers who earn less than $25,000 per year, 
as well as New York Medicare recipients who earn less than $50,000 per year, would not pay any new taxes under the New York Health Act. Employers would be responsible to pay at least 80% of each employee's New York Health Act payroll tax. The New York Health Act taxes would be progressively higher at higher income levels. The amounts of these two new taxes would be determined through budget legislation to be proposed by the governor and passed by the legislature the year after the New York Health Act becomes law. New York voters may find it strange that the New York Health Act lacks detailed information about the program's cost. Did Senator Rivera forget to include the cost? Could he and his colleagues simply not be bothered to ascertain it? At New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, we believe that the answer is no. The most likely reason for this omission is fear. Fear that if New York voters knew how much this bill would hike our taxes, we would passionately oppose it. To avoid that problem, the New York Health Act proposes to punt the cost question until the year after the bill passes. This way, once voters find out the price tag for this massive government boondoggle, it would be too late to put a stop to it. Regardless of the reason, it's amateurish and cowardly for Senator Rivera to propose a government takeover of a huge chunk of the state's economy and to refuse to tell voters how much that takeover would cost us. All right, next up in today's program, New York voters may recall that our state went through a lengthy and chaotic redistricting drama during 2021 and 2022. Unfortunately, it appears that we may be headed for another. Last year, after the constitutionally prescribed redistricting process broke down, Democratic legislators in Albany drew their own district maps. Republicans alleged that these maps were gerrymandered to benefit Democratic candidates, and a lawsuit was filed. That lawsuit, Harkenrider v. Hochul, culminated in a New York Court of Appeals ruling that the Congressional and State Senate maps drawn by Albany Democrats violated the New York State Constitution. Following that ruling, a lower court created new Congressional and State Senate redistricting maps with the help of an independent expert. To put it mildly, New York Democrats were highly displeased with the court's decision. On Election Day 2022, Republicans picked up four New York seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. These victories in New York were instrumental in creating the Republican Party's narrow House majority. If the Democrats' unconstitutional maps had been allowed to stand, it is entirely possible that the House of Representatives would still be under Democratic control today. Now, New York Democrats are seeking a second bite at the apple. The Democratic Party filed a lawsuit, Hoffman v. Independent Redistricting Commission, alleging that the congressional district maps drawn last year at the Court of Appeals' direction were only intended to be in place during the 2022 election cycle. Accordingly, the Democrats contend that the redistricting process should start all over again, with new congressional maps to be implemented before the 2024 elections. A trial court in Albany rejected the Democrats' claims, and the decision was appealed. On July 13, 2023, the Appellate Division, 3rd Department, ruled in favor of the Democrats and directed the Independent Redistricting Commission to create new maps. Republicans intend to appeal the decision to the New York Court of Appeals. Due to the departure of former Chief Judge Janet DeFiore and the confirmation of Judge Caitlin Halligan, 
it is possible that the court may be more sympathetic to the Democrats' arguments than it was last year. Time will tell. It's no exaggeration to state that the court's decision may play a major role in the partisan battle for control of the House of Representatives next year. In making its decision, however, the court should ignore political pressures and concerns and simply seek to render a just decision based on the Constitution and the laws of the state of New York. We've been a little politically heavy in today's program, so let's turn the corner to a cultural issue. In recent years, Christians and conservatives are being confronted with the transgender agenda in ways that would have seemed unthinkable in decades past. Transgenderism has not just reared its head in politics and the media. Rather, it has now become an issue in schools and sports, at Christian colleges, in Christian schools, and in other areas of our daily lives. Madeline Kearns of National Review has authored a piece that offers helpful tips for Christians and conservatives who wish to push back against transgenderism. Kearns urges us to reject jargon. By this, she means that we should avoid using the transgender movement's terminology and that we should also avoid using pronouns that contradict biological reality in political debates. This advice is wise. Referring to a female with male pronouns or vice versa would be dishonest. Kearns recommends that we refute misnomers. By way of example, she says that when you hear someone mention the Don't Say Gay Bill, offer its real title, the Parental Rights and Education Act, and explain what it does. This, too, is sound advice. In the political arena, leftists use loaded language to distort the true meaning of conservative policies. In similar fashion, leftists frequently use misleading terminology to describe their own proposals. For example, the Homosexual Marriage Bill in New York was referred to as the Marriage Equality Act, despite the fact that there was no inequality in New York's marriage laws in the first place. Kearns encourages readers to puncture euphemisms. For example, she urges us to unpack euphemistic terms such as gender-affirming care by being specific and matter-of-fact about what is actually involved. The left loves nothing better than using rosy rhetoric to obscure the true nature of the repugnant practices that they champion. As the Albany Update noted in 2020, in the 21st century United States, reproductive health means abortion, gaming means gambling, and sex work means prostitution. Kearns advises readers to correct mischaracterations. As she puts it, there is no ban on transgender athletes in women's sports. Athletes identifying as transgender remain free to compete in sports that correspond with their sex. Really, there are bans on male athletes in female sports and vice versa. This emphasis on honesty and integrity is welcome. Kearns urges readers to showcase harms. By this, she means that conservative policies ought to be prepared to speak about the negative effects of the practices that the left supports. Kearns notes that detransitioners rushed into irreversible treatment and female athletes denied fairness in sports are two examples. Kearns is correct. It is important for conservatives to be prepared to speak about the real-life impact of liberal policies. Other examples include women injured in botched abortions, young people hooked on online gambling or online pornography, Christian businesses sued for their unwillingness to participate in same-sex ceremonies, 
and parents kept in the dark about their children's gender transitions due to pro-transgender policies in schools. Finally, the month of August is almost upon us, and each month our organization likes to share some ways that you can pray for our ministry, for our state, and the nation. So first, I would ask you to pray for rest and refreshment for our team. We need to recoup a little bit before we get into the busy fall. And speaking of the fall, please pray for our fall events, including regional legislative days we are planning in key cities around the state. And we ask you to pray for college students, that the Lord would protect Christians from attempts to erode their faith, and that the Lord would give them boldness. Also, please pray for campus ministries. Pray for our radio partner stations across the state, which generously air our radio commentaries at no charge and allow us to amplify our message. And please pray against efforts to build support for assisted suicide, the misleadingly named Equality Amendment, and socialized medicine in New York. Pray that the Lord would dismantle the transgender agenda and expose its lies to parents, children, and young people. Please pray for the early presidential primary debates and that the Lord would give wisdom to American voters. Please pray for efforts to eradicate leftist policies on abortion and transgender issues from the U.S. military. And please pray for the Supreme Court, that its members would be protected against the onslaught of hatred that they have encountered because of recent decisions that simply upheld the Constitution. Well, there are a multitude of prayer requests there. So once again, thank you for standing with our ministry and interceding for our state and the nation. We appreciate your continued support. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate. Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.